If you hear this sound, it means we've moved on to the next article. If you hear this sound, it means that one of the episode's triggers are incoming. It's 2014. Prince William, Duke of Cambridge, and the Duchess arrive in this year. Hawks Bay defeat Counties Monaco in a close game that finished 27-21 to win the Ranfurly Shield. New Zealand took away 45 medals in the Commonwealth Games. And the top song on the charts is Happy by Pharrell Williams. It's a pretty good year if you live in a city. You know, focusing on sports and, and art. And I mean, even the economy has hit back since 2008 with the NZX going up a thousand points from 4.7 to 5.7 thousand. But none of these would have brought up the memory we're going to discuss today. On the 1st of September, the Ashburton shooting happened, where Russell John Tully shot Lee Cleveland and Peggy Noble in an work and income center. These two workers were murdered by a man who had felt hard done by the system for the last two months. He had felt hard done by the way he was treated by working income, and he took it out on innocent people. He struggled with the welfare system, and he struggled with his welfare. Today, we unpack the doll, the benefit, New Zealand's welfare system. Without further ado, let's unpack. Please note that due to the length of this episode, we are going to split it up into part one and part two. So if you're currently listening to part two now and you haven't listened to part one, we urge you to go back and listen to part one because in part two, we're going to be making references. We're going to be cracking jokes to things that have been said in part one. Now, the dole is New Zealand's welfare system, and we just wanted to cover a few things before we even start this episode. Um... We've both been reading up, watching videos, um, clicking links, <laughs> researching, researching, researching as much as we could on the dole. And we, I don't, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm not going to speak for you, but I was, I was sitting in a few cafes and I had like some websites up about the dole and, and wins and a bunch of stuff. And, and the looks that I got from people and like the people that kind of like avoided me, um, and I'm, I mean, I'm sitting at a cafe with a laptop, you know, like you just minding your own business. I'm minding my own business. I'm reading whatever that I want to read, but um, it just took me into, I guess, five minutes of what some of my friends have been through, mm. um, because they are on the dole, but they have to wait outside the wind's office. Yeah, and like everybody drives past, and and everybody knows, oh, that's so and so's car and stuff. So I felt like a fraction of the stigma yeah and that was trash i felt like garbage and you'd hope that given so many people who never thought they would need to have government support in this way may have had to because they may have lost their job during covid or different circumstances like that you hope that the stigma is somewhat 
being torn away? You'd hope so. You'd hope so. You really hope so. But, I mean, as you'll probably find out from those... I mean, we read the comments. Yeah. It's alive and kicking. Like, we're gonna... You know what? You know what? We're we're probably just gonna jump right into it. Yeah, let's go. First article um, that we're gonna look at is from the New Zealand Herald. And this one is a breaking news done by their social issues reporter, uh, Isaac Davison. And released on... And I feel like as soon as I say the date, people are gonna know what it is. July 16th. 2017, a moment that we do not talk about enough, but we are going to talk about a lot this episode. (laughs) The headline is, MP admits she lied to keep benefits. Green Party co-leader Matilda Toure has admitted she once lied to authorities to keep her benefit. Um, A lot of reactions and and likes and shares. This was a hot issue. This was was a mad, mad issue, also because this was just before an election. Exactly. This was on, they were on the election campaign already. Um, You know, they were on the trail, and and this news came out. First uh, comment we're going to look at it, first comment we're going to look at is from Gus. Gus says, who hasn't? The main thing is that she admitted it. I bet Paula Bennett did the same thing as well as any other MP in Parliament that was on a benefit. You gotta do what you gotta do to keep surviving. It's survival. That's all. She's paid her debt back by paying taxes. I think we're eventually gonna need to have a whataboutism button because the amount of whataboutism that goes on in the comments. Don't worry, don't worry, I, I got one. You, you ready? got one? You ready? I, I, we debuting it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all ready? right, go hit it. Come on, fuck it. Oh, oh, girl. Ooh, don't you, don't right. you, uh, exactly. That's nice. Hey, that, I like how you picked that one. That I've was been, nice. I've been doing some research. I can't hey, lie. Hey, nice, man. Yeah. That's dope. That's but dope. You're right. we got to be fair. This is a whataboutism. This is this is nothing to do with uh, Paula Bennett at all. She's just chilling, minding her own business. Yeah. And yeah. Gus was like, no, no, no. You coming into this conversation. Like, yeah. I got no yeah. evidence to base my hypothesis on, but I'm going to just bring you in, into this. Gus also just slowly brings into the idea of who hasn't lied to the government or to a government organization who hasn't sort of broken the law. Um, I mean, we can't answer that. There's no figures for that, right? Yeah. Um, but Gus is coming from a, from a moral standpoint of they admitted it, let's move on. And that you, at some point in your life, when the issues are stacked up against you and you're just trying to survive, as Gus said, you got to do what you got to do. That idea of survival though is very different for new zealanders oh of course like you know we are very lucky to be in wellington where Mm. a lot of people that we talk to have never had to think about the word survival seriously Mm. um but people on the benefit and the dole actually do have to think about survival it's a completely different just scope of what that actually means no exactly exactly so because we're nice (laughs) and because we still love to research it um paula bennett stated she never deliberately misled uh msd um or took the money that she shouldn't have so like for people that don't know about the benefit it is a weekly payment Mm. um sometimes it's not weekly but in you know in, in most cases it is and it is a welfare system you get payments from the government if you are unemployed, if you are unable to find work. Um, in a lot of cases, you must be actively, actively looking, for, looking work, for work. Right? So you must attend inter- interviews. I'm interviews sure. and actually yeah. show they're making an attempt to try and find employment. Yeah. And WINS is the main uh, 
government organization behind it. So that stands for Work and Income New Zealand. And uh, they actually have a lot of resources which will also help you look for a job. Mm. So I know a few of my friends who have been on and off the benefit have received resources like, let's help you make a CV. Or let's let, let me teach you how to write a cover letter. Things that we wouldn't have learned in school at all because New Zealand school system is sort of catered towards pushing you to university anyways. I mean, don't worry, we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah, definitely. But um they have those resources at wins and along with the payments. So it's actively trying to get you off the benefit. Yeah. And get a job. Um and so that that's that's the brief. We're gonna talk about it a lot more throughout the, throughout the episode, yeah. don't you worry. Um next comment is from Tero Hina. They say the people who haven't experienced hardship are all judgmental, typical epitome of privilege. If it hasn't happened to me, it doesn't exist. Absolutely. Yeah. And that just relates to your comment around survival. Yeah. And how that means different things to different people. Absolutely. And I think Tarohina is spot on here with just calling out people in the comment. Because all the comment section is... I'm speaking from my point of view. Mm. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist to me. Mm. Hurry up, get a job. Yeah. Well, I mean, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, right? But mm. even to bring up that point of survival again, this is this is every day for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, and wins is an active way of taking it from okay, I'm not just surviving, but I'm looking to start striving. And also, people have the belief that if you're in a hard situation, that it's down to actions that you took and it's ultimately your own fault your own fault however not everybody has the benefits that some people have the privileges that different people that different groups have right absolutely absolutely and i think we, we, this next comment kind of touches on it uh nada says it's funny that people insinuate in their comments that our taxes solely goes towards benefits ha 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 ha, ha. absolutely this is a massive pet peeve of mine i mean people don't understand that that road outside that doesn't have any potholes in it, that's our taxes. Those schools, our taxes. Mm-hmm. Them hospitals, our taxes. But I feel like that's always the the debate around it, right? Like, oh, the roads, the schools, the hospitals. Like, come on. Like, you see where the taxes go. But people use these public services, like, every day, right? But they take it for granted. They take it for granted. Because they're coming from the lens of privilege. Let's put it in perspective, right? You're right. So, you're right. Let's break it down. I ran some numbers, Okay. So the median income for New Zealanders is $52,000, right? So that's average making $1,000 a week. Mm. Cool? For a lot of people, that's a lot of money. For some people living in the city center, uh, it's going to be tough to make it stretch, especially if you have a family. It's Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be rough there. If you're in a four-person household, there's a 60% chance that that household is earning more than 102000 So... Working for families credits are available to households earning up to 120000 if they have four or more children. Now, an economist, Cameron Bagri, I believe it is? I think it's Bagri? I think it's Bagri. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Cameron Bagri actually said that New, Zealand's were not, New Zealanders are not well paid. But on the point of tax, the median income, if you're making $52,000, $8,620 of that. Is going to tax. Mm. Okay? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, come on, like, our benefit? Like, why does our tax go towards the benefit? Do you know where most of our tax actually goes? Hey, tell me. Where, where does it go? It actually goes to health and education. Oh. But 
before we even go to the social security and welfare part, yeah, which is where thirteen percent of our tax goes, seventeen mm. percent actually goes to superannuation. Seventeen percent. Seventeen percent. Yeah. So, and, and when I say social security and welfare, I'm talking about the benefit and social security. That's where thirteen percent of our taxes go. Mm. So a whopping seventeen percent solely goes to superannuation. I'm talking gold cards. Yeah. I'm talking subsidized, um, you know, tickets and, and entry traveling. into different places and exactly, exactly. And we're talking palliative care. We're talking, we're talking hospices. We're talking about the the last stages of people's lives mm. are funded by the citizens. And I think the citizens look at that as a oh look. That's okay. Yeah. But while you're on earth struggling... Mm, I'm not trying to help you. I'm not trying to help you at all. Just work harder. And that 40% of the taxes that goes to health and education, you know, I think we could even talk about those are the factors that really cause unemployment and and mental health issues um, Mm. in the society. And when our taxes go towards there, you know, education is so vital into... A successful life. Oh, education is a is a factor for a lot of outcomes in life. The more educated you get, the higher quality of life you're likely to live. Yeah, the, the more you know. Exactly. I, exactly. And and I mean, even with health, like, look, let's be honest. Sometimes the DHBs be tripping. Of course. And sometimes the hospitals be having long wait lines, but they are doing their best. Mm-hmm. And when you just walk out the door and don't pay anything. Especially for all the, our kids in New Zealand. Yeah. Hey, say less. It's from our tax money. Next comment is from Troy. Troy says, prosecute her and get my hard-earned tax dollars back from the fraudster. You like from the fraudster. Like I, like I like that. You had that little spice on the end. That yeah. was nice, man. That was good. Yeah, thanks. Hey, we bring it. I've Season two. Nice, man. Yeah. Thank you. So that's why I walked in and, and I saw you in the mirror saying, fraudster. Yeah, I was Fraud actually, star. I was watching Steve Irwin at the time. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you know. Nah, stop. All right, yeah. you hit me. It was I for once. Oh, Move on. Bro, bro, just support me. <laughs> um, so, look, prosecute her, get my hard-earned tax dollars back. From the fraudster. From the fraudster. Um, bruh, hard-earned tax dollars back. You think they just... I mean, look, tax returns are a different thing. Yeah. And I'd like to go into that at some stage, but let's talk about welfare fraud first, all right? Mm. And so... And these are these are actual stats. Guess how much welfare fraud amounts up to a year? On average. Few Few million? I'm thinking there might be a few people, different amounts. Maybe like ten million or something. No, it's 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 thirty point six million. So oh, that's that sounds like a lot. It's a, it's a lot of money. That is a lot of money to being. You know, this is money that is being, I guess, wrongly given. Correct. Hundred percent. Okay, but compared to the government losses from tax avoidance, guess how much that comes up to. Tax avoidance. Yeah. I mean, I don't really hear much about tax avoidance, though. Maybe like 20 mil or something? Before before we even get into the figure, you know, you don't you don't even want to, like, hear about tax avoidance because that comes from people that actually have jobs. 
right? You're right. Welfare fraud comes from people who are unemployed, and we put the microscope on them. On so the people who hard. are unemployed, you're right. Yeah, exactly. We I analyze mean, their every move. Exactly. Yeah, like thirty point six million a year. Like that's terrible. Why is you know how is welfare fraud that large when tax avoidance is one point two billion dollars? So I just one point two billion. Can I? Was that me. with a B or an M? That is a B. One point two billion dollars of tax avoidance a year yeah, i'm not sure i've been seeing many articles about tax avoid 1.2 billion all right that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot of money and i don't hear a lot. yeah and it costs the government and i mean like the problem was ird actually stated that it's probably more than that oh so like, this uh this low- is the bare minimum of what's what we've lost here. Yeah. Hard earned tax dollars. Get out of here, <laughs> man. Come on, man. Um, but interestingly enough, last month in August, um, Mer- Megan, I believe, yeah, Megan yeah, Finley Megan. was sentenced uh, in the Hamilton District Court for fraudulent GST and income tax returns on behalf of a company. Right? So that in itself is fraudulent. Yeah. But. You are in a place where you can file income tax returns. You are in, you are employed, and you are taking money from the government, hmm. right? So one must think: What are the opinions on that? I mean, that, like Megan had a job; she was trusted in employment, and then we've got people who are on welfare who are not employed. We see the thing is, we don't even talk about that, so there are hmm. no opinions about it, as hmm. you said. People who are on the benefit, microscope over them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And do you want to know, I mean, not that it's important as well, because I feel like, Troy, we have destroyed, like, we've really gone into your comment. I apologize. Um, (laughs) But do you want to know how much Finley actually obtained for herself? Like... 10K, maybe? So, so, once again, fraudulent GST and income tax returns, right? So, when you're filing the income tax, you're like... Maybe I didn't make that sale. Uh-huh. Ooh, I see. Yeah. I got uh-huh. you. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah, that yeah. never came in. Yeah. Oops. Wahahaha. $467,000. Uh, Evaded over a quarter of a million dollars in tax by the family business whose tax return she was repa- preparing, resulting in a loss to the taxpayers of more than $741,000. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, say no more. That's that. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how much Matilda Toure estimated stole? I I ain't got any idea on this. One. Seven thousand eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. A hard earned tax money. Prosecute back. her. Also, does the person think that we're just gonna evenly distribute that throughout everybody in New Zealand who, yeah. who pays tax? Hey, we prosecuted Matilda Toure, so seven thousand eight hundred dollars. What we're gonna do is between we're actually five gonna, million of you, we're gonna. I do the numbers. Between five million of us, uh, you know, me and you would get a, we'd have to share a cent. Seriously, it comes in at point zero zero one five six. Are we, are we born on that cent? I mean, uh, sorry, hold on. I miscalculated that. That means that 10 of us would have to share a cent. Yeah, actually, I gave you the benefit of the doubt, but I was yeah. like, there's no way there's that no two way. of us are sharing one cent with those numbers. That's why you hey, like... Hey, grab some friends. <laughs> grab some friends because we're going to get our tax avoidance returns. I don't know how I don't know how we're, we're going to do that, but yeah. 
get my heart intact on my ass. Come on, man. Also, fun little fact. Do you know the IRD has a snitch line? Hold up. So if I know somebody who is evading paying their tax, I can snitch on them? Yeah. You you can actually just literally Google Yo, it is over evasion. for so many people. And you can just just drop all the dimes. <laughs> Hey, they were here. They didn't pay their tax there. They I know where they're going to be. Yo, like, honestly, like, IRD.GOVT.NZ, IRD. there's a snitch hotline. I thought you were about to say it was IRD.GOVT.NZ slash snitch line. Could you imagine? I was, <laughs> could you imagine? Like, we didn't even play it. Like, yo, they, they also just be like, rewards. Uh, so we had to look at... You know, a few different articles for this. Obviously, the July 16th one um, from the New Zealand Herald was solely focused on Matiri Tuwe. Stuff did the same thing, uh, but this time they did a headline saying, Matiri Tuwe, and then quote, time to stop punishing people for being poor. Um, The tagline was, Green co-leader Matiri Tuwe grew up poor. It's shaped a major new policy she's set to announce. I want to go out on the limb here and say that this article was published when she was about to make the announcement for the policy mm. and then at, at the at the announcement and then that came out and she admitted to it and then the comments are solely based around that itself yeah as opposed to the policy as opposed to the policy because i tried to find the policy it doesn't i tried to like i heard the announcement i was like sweet yeah we have to stop punishing people for being poor it's very clear that like after this whole fiasco happened, it was kind of like, all right, let's, uh, let's let this one slide. Let's yeah, just let this one. It could be the Greens' current policy that they've already enacted. Mm. It could be. But I cannot confirm that. And you know yeah. we love the facts. So. Absolutely. So the first comment that we're going to look at is from Christabel. Christabel says, instead of handing out money... How about using that money to make essential items and services cheaper? Ooh, okay. Childcare is too expensive. It should be further funded to make work or study options more realistic. Healthy foods and hygiene items should be tax-free slash funded. And life skills, brackets, budgeting, understanding tax, basic cooking with real food, create a CV, goal setting, study options, should be a compulsory subject through school. Not everyone has the opportunity to learn these things from their families, so it should be built into our education system. All right. So we we have said in the past we love our comments that list four or five different points. People seem to try shove everything into one comment, and I appreciate it. Yeah, Christabel shoved it all. Oh, Christabel did, and I appreciate it because it means that we have a lot to go off. So we're going to take each segment individually and go deep into it and see whether a similar policy has been enacted elsewhere in the world or what it would look like in New Zealand. Also, applause for Christabel. Absolutely, yeah. Before anything, applause for Christabel. This is, this is a fantastic comment. Um, just had to put that out there. Hold up, hold up, hold up, Tabby. Before you even get started... Bro, I'm a... Okay, I, I, let me chill, let me chill, my bad. Before you bad. get started, you know, you've done this every episode. You go onto your numbers, you go onto your stats, you kind of get lost. I, okay. I do, but I need... I go into the sunken yeah. place. I need some help. So, when I played the what about is in, like, little jingle, I don't worry. I got one for you. We made it? Yeah, we made it. Okay? I submitted this in the suggestion hey, box. Hey, I saw... I seen you. I seen you. You've been working. So, Damn, what up, bro. Here we go. This, don't worry. All right. So, <clears throat> Tabby is about to unpack. 
beautiful. Hey, yo, thank you. Thank you, man. It's been a long time. But getting back to the comment, childcare is too expensive. It should be further funded to make work or study options more realistic. So let's look at the cost of childcare relative to the rest of the world. And a good metric for this is looking at the OECD numbers. So the OECD is made up of 37 countries around the world from North America right down to Asia Pacific. And they're a decent comparison for different economic statistics. So that point in time, further snaps to Christabel. You are correct. Based on 2017-2018 data, a couple with two young children earning their average wage had to devote 37.3% of their salary to their childcare. 37.3% of your salary to your child care. That's, that's a third of everything that I'm making going to somebody who doesn't even pay rent. And they act like they do. They right, kids? Like that's crazy. Yeah, oh my God. And there were only three other countries that had to devote 30% of the couple's average salary earnings to childcare. That's Australia, USA, and the UK. At the under, end of the scale, Czech Republic, you only need to devote... 2.6% of your salary to childcare. Wow. However, and I want to give props to the government here, because the government obviously saw there was an issue and announced a policy to subsidize children attending early learning services. So if your child was three, four or five years old and goes to an early learning service that offers 20 hours worth of early childhood education, that cost can be subsidized for up to six hours a day and up to 20 hours a week. You don't often see... I mean, people like to complain a lot about the government, right? Mm, mm. So when the government see a problem and they act on it, set up a policy, you got to give them applause, right? Because that's all we can ask. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. all we can ask from our government officials to represent us exactly. like that. Exactly. They see the problem, they fix it. Hey, exactly. Well that's done. beautiful. So that one wasn't too numbers heavy, but I'm going to go deeper. We're going to talk about taxes. Oh. So the common is healthy foods and hygiene items should be tax-free slash funded. Uh-huh. And as I said, we're going to have a conversation about tax. I know you've already given me nice... I know you've already given me a nice backing track you for stats. You've got to ask for but like, we going about, Can I get something else? <sighs> Here, what do you, you need? All right, give me, give, me, give me some light. Just in case those of you who aren't interested in tax at all, you can just zone out and listen to this. But for those who want to jump in on the ride, stay with me. All right, all right play me something. All right, I got you. Hold up. All right, how's this? Can I get a bit more upbeat? Uh, right, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, what about this? Bro, this ain't a rave. I'm not trying to fist bump. Like, little bit less, little bit less, little bit less. I'm picky, I know, I'm picky, I know. Bro, this is my bad, I'm sorry. Hold on, I got this. All right, how about this? Oh, that's groovy. Oh, right, that's let's, groovy. Let this set in, set in. Alright, so when you talk about, there are some things that we need to suss straight away. Suss? There are some things that we need to state straight away. Sus? Sus? We ain't sus and tax? Bro, you've used tax and sus in the same Damn, sentence. Damn, bro, that's crazy. You're the first person in the world. <laughs> well, first thing to ask is, do you think tax is a good way to actually change human behavior? So when you edit a tax anyway, to try and curb spending in some aspect or increase spending. Is that actually a good way to do it? Right. And there have been multiple studies that have been done and they say that if you tax something, 
people's behavior will shift, whether that's if you increase attacks on something, if you take attacks away on something. People's behavior will shift. And on a more specific level, when you're talking about a sugar tax or making healthy food more affordable, you're probably talking about GST. So GST in and of itself does have some issues. It's a relatively regressive tax in the sense that everybody is taxed equally. So unfortunately, low-income households spend a higher proportion of their income on GST. So changes to GST have bigger impacts on low-income households than high-income households. To the point where, in a world where you're shifting GST around, say, taking it off for healthy food or increasing it for fatty foods and drinks, low-income earners actually end up paying seven times more, which is good because you want to change the behavior. Of course, yeah, yeah. So the first thing I looked at is what is the New Zealand historical context of this? I mean, has, has this been tried before? So there have been some movements in this space. I mean, in 2010, a bill was actually drafted and read at Parliament. The GST Exemption of Healthy Food Amendment Bill was brought to Parliament on the 8th of September 2010, and the purpose was to make healthy food exempt from foods and services tax and encourage consumption of said healthy food. Now as an example, fruit and veg, bread, milk, that's so nice. I know some poultry products too, eggs, so but nice. unfortunately the bill was lost at its first stage of reading. Wow. Yeah, I know. I had to build you up just to take you down. Yeah, it you didn't really it didn't really go this. through. Why am I giving you jingles, man? <laughs> and when you look overseas, Australia does have some form of exemption. So this is on essential food items. That includes fresh fruit and veg, meat and poultry, tea, salad, butter, sugar, cheese, bread, a whole lot of lists that people are determined as essential. But you know what's funny when I was reading through this? Mm. So the way that you can tell this is a very westernized country, you know what isn't considered essential? Spices. Oh no. Spices. So they're gonna be You're having kidding. bland as a look. It's whatever. Nah, it's it's whatever, it's whatever. I've always said that salt, pepper, and paprika should come with taxes. Like like that should come free to that the should house just come? every month. I vibe that, unfortunately in Australia they they do not. But when you look at adding a tax or take your tax off. You need to look at elasticities of demand. Anybody that studied economics is sitting there like, yes, to my teacher back in back in high school. Yes, this is what we're gonna talk about. So in short, the, the elasticity of demand states how demand would shift if there was a shift in prices. So for example, an Australian study found that soft drinks are actually very elastic. So a 10% increase in price would cause a greater than 10% decrease in demand for soft drinks. Which is good because soft drinks are universally known as being unhealthy. Right. And the opposite remains true. If you change the price by 10% and the demand changes by less than 10%, the good is inelastic. Oh, but I'm learning right now. Hey, we're about education. I am being learned. So if the demand changes a greater proportion than the price change, a good is elastic. If it's the other way around, it's inelastic. Okay. Okay. Oh, I see you. So here's another example. Ice cream is relatively inelastic. If you increase the price by 10%, the demand will decrease by less than 10%. Essentially, people are going to buy ice cream at whatever price it's at. Because when you're wanting to, when you feel like an ice cream, you're going to buy it. It's not, it's like the price at that point doesn't really matter for people who are fortunate to have that spending. So elasticities can be looked at on a product by product level, but I think with this tax in particular, I think it's important to look at it from a holistic level and look at it at a macro level to see how overall, how spending would shift. Now quick test, 
to check that you've been listening and haven't zoned out to the music. So, oh, oh God. <laughs> if I increase the price of our full Monty Patreon subscription by 10%, mm-hmm. and the demand decreased by 20%, would it be inelastic or elastic? Okay, I'm gonna say. Elastic. Hey, nice. You've been listening oh, up. Thing. Ah, you've been listening you know, up. Because you know I didn't though? write the answer in that sheet, bro. Like, we're looking at it. I did the answer <laughs> isn't I was there. like, oh, ew. But the thing is, with an elastic band, it always snaps back, right? So things exactly. are kept in balance. That's a good way to look at it. Thank you. So some countries have done studies into having a tax on unhealthy foods or removing tax on healthy foods. So in the USA around snacking, they're in a study where they manipulated the prices in vending machines. They had healthy snacks in a vending machine at a base price and they observed base purchasing behavior. They sold them at that base price for four weeks. They then halved the price for three weeks and then they returned the healthy snacks to the original price. And while the price for the healthy snacks was halved, consumption increased by 80 percent 80 percent that is a seismic that's so much 80 percent that is a seismic shift and like i got more studies for you i got studies for days another study that took place in workplace and schools similar design they decreased the price of healthy snacks by 10 percent 25 percent and 50 percent and consumption increased by 9 percent 39 percent and 93 percent respectively these are big numbers. Man. These are massive, massive numbers. So what you can take away from this is when it comes to food, at least, in order to get a significant change, the price signal needs to be very high. So to get a significant shift, you need to increase the price of unhealthy foods by unfortunately more than what a government is willing to do. Because can you imagine if they announced a, we go add a 90% tax on sugary drinks. There would be riots that would never ever pass through parliament like they'd be more likely to get something like a five percent or like a ten percent or something like that the funny thing is that as we are speaking this i think top um has announced that that would be one of their policies absolutely and it will fail uh, yeah it's it's unfortunate but even though the evidence backs it up it's unfortunate it is it is so with something like this say altering the gst a couple issues exist. I mean, a lot of these studies have been done on a short-term basis, so people are unsure what whether people's behaviours would resort back to pre-tax adjusting levels. But ultimately, through the research, I feel as though this comment is great. Christabel, you on it with this one. Mm-hmm. If you introduced a tax on sugary goods and decreased the tax on healthy goods, ultimately there'd be benefits for health, which would save us so much money because New Zealand is overall a very obese nation. Alright, so we're gonna stop talking about tax for a little bit so you can go back to the original the original music if you wanna just switch that back. You're good, you're good. Yeah, hold on, let me just get that. Alright, sweet. Alright, beautiful, beautiful. The original music. Ha 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 ha. The silence. <laughs> and the last part of the comment from Christabel and life skills, budgeting, understanding tax, ha ha ha. Basic cooking with real food, create a CV, goal setting study options should be a compulsory subject through school. Not everyone has the opportunity to learn things from their families, so it should be built into our education system. Now, this is an interesting one, because I've always wondered, how do we determine what we learn? Like, why is it that I studied Shakespeare four times? Why is it that at high school, over the duration of two years, I did Gallipoli three times? Like, why is that the case? 
And there's been a debate raging for a long time that that children should learn more life skills at schools, right? I mean, that was a sentiment when I was at school. Why are we learning all this maths? Why are we learning this? I want to learn more about life skills. Now, historically, in a traditional nuclear family, you might have had the father out working and the mother taking care of the kids at home or something like that. And that meant that you could get some of the quote-unquote life skills from the mother at home. Now, however, given societal shifts and both parents working, a gap exists in the holistic education of Kiwi kids. Now, when you look at schools in New Zealand, the New Zealand curriculum enables schools to actually design their own programs. So if you're living somewhere rurally, when 90% of those people who go to the school end up working on farms, you might need to have an education system that is more based around that. It makes sense, right? Of course. It makes sense to some degree. However, there is a framework that sits in behind education in terms of what kids should be taught and the framework consists of eight principles high expectations treaty of waitangi cultural diversity inclusion learning to learn community engagement coherence and future focus and just to give us an example of different things that we learn at school because i remember talking to you recently actually about the fact that either it was you or someone you know didn't necessarily have economics offered at school Right, yeah, we had... Like what what's, what's the research did you do in your year 13? My year 13? Yeah. <laughs> I did... Oh, man, you really didn't call me out like this. I did... Yeah, I did stats, PE, drama, classics, and history. Yeah. Yeah. But like, history, I think, was called social sciences. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. it was like a little bit of a mix of like history and geography. Yeah, because cause all, all those subjects were offered at the school that I went to. So in my final year, I did calculus physics chemistry economics and then digital technology media which was a website design of subject you, of course you did. oh don't be like of that so my my question to you was something what did you have a website design subject at school no we okay things like that would have been like uh what are they called not placement uh gateway see and like there's differences in the subjects that are offered in different places now whether that's fair Okay, did you did you have horticulture at your school? Nah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And my school's in the middle of the city. Hey, shout out all the homies that did horticulture. Yeah, exactly. But then when also when you're also looking at life skills, there's isn't necessarily a consensus on what that actually means. I mean, what would what would you have in those classes? So for example, what if you wanted to teach, say, get people driving lessons at school? Okay. I imagine there'd be some parents that, because of say the environmental issues related to driving, would be so against their children learning how to drive at school. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, no, actually, you, no, know you know there are going to be, yeah, you gonna know come, there are going to be parents that are going to be against that. And while we may disagree yeah. with that, deciding what life skills are is a difficult one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to come for that. And right. that's a lot easier than. That's a lot more difficult than say thinking of a maths curriculum, being like learn Pythagoras because that's something that people have been learning for a number of years, right? And it's been in schools. It's established. There's one answer. So while I definitely agree, and I think we both definitely agree, that schools can have some holistic learning like that, mm-hmm. especially because the societal shifts that have taken place, which have meant that they won't necessarily be able to take place at home, it would be difficult to, to, to it would be difficult to determine what would actually be taught. You made that made sense, and I'm really mad at you for that. I mean, it's it'll be difficult. Like it should happen, but it'll be difficult. So you really went off on Christabel's comment. Yeah, I did. I saw that. I licked my lips. I was like, this is going to be great. And it was a great comment. I can't Absolutely. lie. So I want to give a shout out to Christabel. 
So you just gave us like 20 minutes worth of content or something. So shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to you. Not many people can do that. No. And be applauded at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> so, We're normally going in like, ha, 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 yeah. how could they think this? I think Troy, like just before, got like a nice 10 minutes of yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's comment says, more money will help short term. A united approach from New Zealand to educate and change the thought process of those who know no different through no fault of their own. Mm is the only way to make a change for future generations. That's more snaps. Uh, nope, I'm going to cancel that snaps for a second. I think Sam's close. I'm just thinking a united approach from New Zealand to educate and change the thought process. Yep. I hear you. Snaps to that. Are you sure? Why? Just, to, just because they're trying to make generational change? My snaps are more towards the fact that they're wanting that Sam is commenting saying a united approach from NZ to educate will be a good thing. Okay, yeah. So but maybe my snaps are more segmented to that section. To the united approach, which is probably the most vague part of the comment. Oh, I'm counting. Yeah. So you tell me that you don't want a united approach? That we tell me. That we oh, tell me. I would love a united approach on everything, go. Tabby. But exactly, bro. Snaps to that. That's kind of saying snaps like, to that. I would love a great meal. What do you want in it? What do you want in it? Bro, don't be acting like you, that. Bro. bro, do you walk into a cafe and you're like, you're like hey, what do you have? I'm like, yo, like, make me something nice. Yeah. Something nice. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. The kitchen, pray for you to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, and just the same thing with this comment of like, a united approach to educate and change the thought process of those who know no different is just this really hierarchical comment. I mean, that aspect, yeah. Of aspect, like, yeah. like, we need to make a united approach for them and i think in this context it almost comes off as a they're not a part of the decision making and maybe i'm reading too deep oh into the, that's what oh okay yeah. now i get you like, i a united approach for them who know no different through no fault of their own that's okay is the only way to make a change for future generations and more money will help short term isn't exactly correct either Right, because we've seen it. We've seen it here. Matidia Toure, I think, and and the the figure all over the internet is so skewed. But what I believe most sources were saying is that she lied to her case managers at wins for an extra seventy dollars a week, and I believe it was like seventy two or seventy eight. But let's let's just say seventy for the benefit of the doubt. Seventy dollars to me and you right here sitting down is not a lot. Mm. $70 a week when you are on $250 a week is a lot. That's a massive... Those are three, four meals. Yeah. That is a substantial, substantial amount. And so more money will help short term, I don't think is actually that true. I get where they're coming from, right? Because, oh, here's a little bit more money and no extra resources. Mm. Here's a little bit more money and no direction of where to go. Mm. And I get that, but more money will help short term isn't accurate because those extra meals will go a long way. It'll change someone's life. Yeah, whether whether it gives them more energy and they're able to have a happier outlook on life. So they can get, go to school not hungry or... Focus more on education and little things like that that will actually make such a long-term, long-term difference. So... No snaps for this comment, but a good comment nonetheless. I, I'll you read into it. I, that's my bad. That's my bad. I persuaded you. <laughs> Henry's comment says, 
Instead of giving money, we should f- send food parcels of essentials to beneficiaries so they cannot have cash to smoke or drink, like my food bag, but my wins bag. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of yeah, <laughs> that's that's kinda, kinda funny. That's kind of funny. Like my wins. <laughs> he already he was just like I got this idea and I've already named it for you. Exactly. My food bag, but my. Can you imagine if bag. they came out? Yo, this my wins bag. Well, apparently Henry reckons you can't squander your money on smokes and alcohol. And, this is, and this is a popular narrative. Why do New Zealanders have a problem with this? I do not know. The country with one of the most, like, the biggest binge drinking culture. Like, no, nah, you can't. Is also you... now gatekeeping <laughs> who can binge drink. Exactly. And who can smoke. Like, okay, so first of all, we know that our addiction and mental health services are overburdened to the point where they are non-existent for the average person. Yeah. Right, so you you get chucked on a six month waiting list, and and there's an issue here that it's not that people can sometimes buy things that they want on the benefit, but rather our health services are underfunded, understaffed, and and under resourced. Right, so New Zealanders have had this mindset that poor people should be punished for being poor. Yeah, yeah, that definitely prevails through in a lot of these comments. And I mean, like. They're, it comes off as like their poorness is a consequence of their irresponsible choices and that the benefit shouldn't be about supporting people's welfare more than providing less than the bare minimum so that people learn their lesson about yeah. literally being poor. So like not only are you unemployed, no more beer. No more fun things. No more wine. No more cigarettes. No more cigars. I don't want to see you having hookah in the middle of town. Nah. You are now on a diet. We will do what we say. Come on. There's a real lack of empathy, humanity with that narrative and perspective. Exactly, exactly. But given Henrid, once again, the unpacked treatment, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to look into my wins bag. All right? So essentials don't just include food, by the way. Like beneficiaries need to jump through hoops uh, as it is mm. to get money for prescriptions, for clothing, household items. Like, like, like come on. What is a country that actually does something like a My Wins Bag? Is it out there? Dun, 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 the United States of America. Oh, they would. The they... food stamp system is very, very similar, and it's the closest thing I could really find. So I'm going to give Henry the benefit of the doubt and say that he was alluding to the food stamp system, yeah. but it's called SNAP, and that means Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, right? And it's a welfare system that assists pretty much most of the no-income citizens in the United States. Yeah. So people without income get these stamps that allow them to get food. Yeah. And what kind of food is allowed to be on that food stamp system is totally up to SNAP. So to be eligible, um, the household income before any of the program's deductions are applied has to be 130% below the poverty line. So there's really levels to this. 130% below the poverty line is what you have to be to be eligible. To get this government support. It's not promised. You yeah. can, you've now unlocked This could happen. This could be you. It could be you. I don't know. You, you are 130% below the poverty line. So putting that in perspective, for a family of three, the poverty line used to calculate SNAP's benefits is about $1,810 a month. Right, so the poverty line for a three-person family, about twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. Right, poverty level is higher for bigger families and lower for smaller families. 
as you would expect. Mm, that makes sense. So net income or household income after deductions are applied must be at or below the poverty line. And don't worry, they're also checking your assets. They have to fall below a certain limit, right? So households without a member who is elderly or has a disability, they have to have assets of less than 2000 If you have assets of 3000 doesn't matter. You're not eligible. You can't. Yeah, because basically they're, selling, they're telling you sell that and eat for some short-term food yeah. and then maybe get yourself back on their feet, right? But um, the rhetoric that people on the beneficiary only buy smokes and alcohol is wildly, wildly preposterous. In 2012, drug testing beneficiaries was a scheme that was introduced to the government but was declined because there would be no point. Uh, Paula Bennett had actually said, we're still working our way through. And, and John Key said that there were no plans at all to drug test all beneficiaries. Arguments that drug users were using welfare to pay for their drugs could also be applied to other areas, such as smoking and alcohol. Mm. Right. So this was a I remember this was a massive, massive conversation while national were in government about we need to start drug testing beneficiaries because people were worried that. You're getting your weekly payments. You're doing nothing. And just spending and it you're on drugs and spending alcohol. spending it on, yep, drugs and alcohol, right? And in quote, John Key did say, some people would say people on benefits shouldn't smoke or shouldn't drink. Everyone has their own views on those matters. For the most part, other than very young people, we are leaving people to make their own assessment, but our expectations are clear. If you can work, you should work. And if the only reason you're not working is because you're failing a drug test because of recreational drug use, we think that's unacceptable, and the government is going to do something about that. Which, pocky pocky for John Key. Mm. Because he's realizing that, look, there's a bigger issue here. If you're failing a drug test and you can't get a job, it's not you, it's your addiction. Yeah. And the government needs to do something about that. They're not talking about punitive punishment, but they're talking about addiction services. But... The funniest thing about this, and I, I read up on the on the policy. It's actually quite nice um, how they were just targeting, targeting low-income households who are like clearly, I don't want to say abusing the system, but on the verge, on the line of drugs and alcohol and not, there's no string of employment at all. But what's the ironic part of this? Guess how much drug tests would cost each beneficiary? How much? $77. I was going to say, it's going to be around <laughs> that $70 mark. It's... Yep. yep. The follow-up drug test costs $77 for the for working income. And so... And who's paying for that? Oh, taxpayers. Yeah. So if you want to drug test beneficiaries and make sure they don't smoke or drink even then, it will cost you money. Yeah. And at that point, we're moving closer and closer away from being a liberal democracy. Sorry, democracy was still, was still definitely be, but we're we're moving far and far away from that whole freedom and and you know BS social liberties. Yeah, yeah, we're moving closer and closer to autocracy because once we can dictate what somebody else is drinking and eating and smoking just because <laughs> of where they've been, the situation that they've been born into. Yeah, then how are we going to make any generational change? Exactly. So as Tabby said before. This episode will be split up into two parts just because of how much we have to get through. So you're at the end of part one. Go on and listen to part two. <laughs>